0: Sunday school time together with word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you um, for your word and how your word uh, instructs us. Um, It shows us uh, who we are, the depths of our sin, uh, our our lack of holiness. It shows us who you are, a holy, holy, holy God. Uh, And it shows us the the gracious work that uh, you uh, do for and in us by giving us uh, new hearts, um, hearts uh, that um, uh, are full of faith and repentance. And we pray that uh, you would uh, produce fruit uh, from our repentant hearts. We pray that um, you would give us uh, ears to to hear and eyes to see uh, as we uh, see this vision of Jeremiah this morning ask that um, you would use it to build us up, help us to be people who live not by sight, but by faith, um, and to trust in uh, the work that you're doing, even uh, in those moments uh, where um, where we are discouraged or uh, see events around us and and perceive things negatively. Uh, Help us to see things from your perspective and how you're working uh, all things for good uh, for those uh, who are in Christ Jesus. And so we pray uh, this morning that the same spirit uh, that spoke through Jeremiah would speak to us as we study uh, your word together. And we ask this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit, amen. All right, so if you'll turn with me in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 24, Uh, it's a short chapter. Uh, this week, and as you're turning there, I'll remind you what we covered last week in the long chapter, uh, chapter 23. So chapter 23, we divided uh, into two parts. The, the first part um, finished up a longer section of the book of Jeremiah, which collected together prophecies addressed to kings and prophecies focused on kings. Um, and that section had started in chapter 21 and ran all the way through the first part, Of chapter 23. Um, As God had stated in his covenant law to Israel, if the kings performed justice and righteousness in the land, then their house would continue to prosper. But if they forsook the covenant with God, then their house would be desolated, the city would burn, and the people would go into captivity. The last four kings of Judah to whom uh, Jeremiah addressed specific prophecies failed to shepherd the people, which resulted in the people being scattered and captivity to Babylon. So in chapter 23, Jeremiah looks ahead uh, in hope. Uh, He looks forward to this day when God would bring his scattered flock um, back uh, into the land from captivity and raise up new shepherds over them. And particularly, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about this righteous branch or this righteous shoot Um, that God would raise up out of the stump of Judean kings. Um, And as we discussed it, uh, we talked about how this prophecy looks forward to our perfect uh, king, Jesus Christ, the one who saves his people uh, and personifies righteousness. In the second half of chapter 23, after this focus on kings, um, Jeremiah turns his attention to a series of prophecies under the heading concerning the prophets. So he, he's looking at uh, Judah's um, religious and spiritual leaders. And, and we, we talked about how Jeremiah was inwardly shaken um, by what he saw, uh, the evil being committed in the land. And these um, prophets, rather than uh, correcting the people, Judah's spiritual leaders uh, quote, commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. So instead of doing uh, what the prophets are supposed to do, they're doing the exact opposite. Um, rather than um, turning the people from evil, uh, they're um, uh, turning people to evil. Uh, and, and we talked a lot last week about how Jeremiah gives us um, different ways of evaluating these prophets and helpful for us to sort of think how we discern um, false teaching. And and part of the way of assessing a false teacher is to look at their moral conduct uh, and character and compare that conduct to God's word and the standards that God um, expects of of leaders. Uh, And we saw, again, uh, the, the emphasis in chapter 23 on these prophets' evil doing. Uh, a second way is um, by assessing the, you know, the orientation of, of their messages. Um, part of Jeremiah's condemning of these false prophets uh, was that they were turning Israel away um, from her loyalty to, to Yahweh, the, her covenant Lord, and turning that loyalty toward um, uh, other gods who aren't gods at all, and he, particularly he singled out Uh, So rather than encouraging people in worshiping of the true God, they're giving people messages from a false god. Uh, Another way um, that uh, Jeremiah uh, critiqued these false prophets, and again, ways we can evaluate uh, false teaching, is to to look at where their message is coming from. Um, And we saw last week the false prophets were reporting a vision of their own hearts uh, a self-induced vision, something that originated from their own minds, or uh, as he talked about, stole from somebody else. Um, but what they didn't do, they did not wait on the Lord. Uh, they didn't uh, get their, receive their message or their calling from God. Rather, they uh, used their own understanding and desires to create their message. Uh, and especially, and uh, we see uh, in this period, these prophets are, are crying peace, peace, when in the reality was sudden destruction was at hand. Um, the task of a true prophet is to convict the people of their sinfulness, and to do that, he himself would need to have a clear understanding of the nature of the covenant and its demands on the people of God. So the true prophet is one sent by God and whose message accords with God's word, what God has said. So today, uh, in chapter 24, uh, Jeremiah shifts gears a bit um, and we're getting into, uh, again, uh, you know, Jeremiah's a hard book to like, kind of de- <laughs> outline, <laughs> but one clear division is uh, in the first half of the book, there there haven't been a lot of specifically dated prophecies. That's gonna change uh, and we'll see that today as this prophecy, this vision of figs that Jeremiah receives is coming at a very particular moment uh, in Judah's history and and Jeremiah names that moment for us. Um, And this vision will lay out um, an unexpected assessment of the people who've just been taken into captivity and of those who remain in the land. Um, so with that as a, a word of introduction and a recap of what we did last week, uh, let me read for us uh, God's word uh, from Jeremiah chapter 24. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken into exile from Jerusalem Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, together with the officials of Judah, the craftsmen and the metalworkers and had brought them to Babylon, the Lord showed me this vision. Behold, two baskets of figs placed before the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, like first right figs, but the other basket had very bad figs, so bad that they could not be eaten. And the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? I said, figs. The good figs, very good, and the bad figs, very bad, so bad that they cannot be eaten. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I will regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I have sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. But thus says the Lord, like the bad figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten, so will I treat Zedekiah the king of Judah, his officials, the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt, I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a reproach, a byword, a taunt, and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. And I will send sword, famine, and pestilence upon them, until they shall be utterly destroyed from the land that I, give to the, that I gave to them and their fathers. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. So um, uh, again, this is a prophecy that Jeremiah is giving us at a particular time in um, Judah's history. So before we get into the meaning of this vision of figs that Jeremiah uh, sees, let's let's first focus on the moment uh, in which this prophecy is being given. Um, so so what. What description are we given of, and how are we to understand this particular historical moment in which this prophecy or this vision is being received? Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, again, kind of like in that list of kings, you get 11 years, three months. <laughs> um, and, and this is, and, and then followed by another 11-year one afterwards. So, yeah, so here we have a very short reign of of Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. So Jehoiakim uh, reigned for 11 years, and uh, Jeconiah, uh, reigned for, for three months. And this is the, he, he mentioned uh, back in chapter 22, for thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, which, um, or no, sorry, uh, wrong one. Um, uh, where is it? Thus, as, the, as I live, declares the Lord, though Keniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hands of those who seek your life into the hands of those whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans, I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they will long to return, there they shall not return. So we had this prophecy about Jeconiah um, uh, a couple chapters earlier, and here we're at the moment where that um, prof- prophecy has come true Jeconiah has been taken off into captivity by the Babylonians good what else yeah Greg. so why is it No no it's a great detail so let's actually so let's flip over to 2nd Kings chapter 24 Easier to remember which chapter it is because it's the same chapter of Jeremiah we're in. Uh, So 2 Kings 24, um, we get this description. Um, And again, this is uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar um, takes Jerusalem twice. Um, So the first time he takes uh, 10,000 people captive uh, and then later he comes and wipes the, the slate clean. So in uh, 2 Kings twenty four ten, at that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city while his servants were besieging it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon, himself and his mother and his servants and his officials and his palace officials. The king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign, and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made, as the Lord had foretold. He carried away all Jerusalem, and all the officials, and all the mighty men of valor, ten thousand captives, and all the craftsmen, and all the smiths. None remained except the poorest people in the land. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon. The king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, the chief men of the land, he took into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon all the men of valor, 7,000, and the craftsmen and the metal workers, 1,000, all of them strong and fit for war, and the king of Babylon made Madaniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. So there in that first um, uh, wave of captivity, he's taking Judah's uh, leadership, um, he's taking their, their fighting men, and he's taking these skilled craftsmen, so the people who can, you know, um, fashion new weapons of war, which is probably why he's taking those, and like he'll benefit from all their skills um, and talents. Um, again, this is like you know that's part of what we see in the book of Daniel, um, him benefiting from the, the captives that he's taken from other places and incorporating them into his household. So you see him taking these. Um, Officials, but but also their craftsmen. And Jeremiah, uh, you're 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 right, Craig, to, to sort of um, to to emphasize that you know as we see this this list that Jeremiah presents here in chapter twenty four, he's emphasizing not the taking of the the mighty men, uh, the men of valor, but he is uh, emphasizing the taking of the craftsmen and the metal workers. Um, so he's removing these people um, from Jerusalem, and I, I love the uh, <laughs> the description uh, Kings gives there. Uh, he, he's just leaving the poor people behind. <laughs> um, so it's this idea he's taking uh, the the upper echelon of of Jerusalem and just kind of leaving the the dregs behind. <laughs> so that's part of the point they you know it's like you're you're taking away their their mighty men of valor and then you're taking the people who would equip an army so so yeah you're you're it, it's so he, he's trying to prevent from having to do this again <laughs> from Nebuchadnezzar's standpoint like he's come all this way and i love that description in kings like he sent these lackeys and then he himself shows up uh, and then when he himself shows up, Jack and I is like, "Okay, it's over. I'm gonna surrender and turn myself over." And um, and Nebuchadnezzar, you know, uh, and again, Jeremiah doesn't focus on the stuff that Nebuchadnezzar takes, but he, you know, basically plunders the temple and, and takes all that stuff. So it's not just removing um, metal workers and craftsmen. Uh, are taking away um, their ability to make weapons, but they also are taking away the ability to replace things that were in the temple that Nebuchadnezzar takes with him. Thought I saw another hand. Yes. So again, he like yeah, it's like and that's the picture we get in Daniel like he he's taking these people and it's removing their skills from where they are, but then they benefit him back in Babylon, so just as Daniel is incorporated into uh the household of Nebuchadnezzar, so also are these craftsmen being put to work to as you say, to help make Babylon the splendid place. Uh, that makes it one of the wonders of the, the ancient world, these hanging gardens and, and the other uh, things that distinguished that city. So yeah, absolutely, like he, he's taking things that benefit him and, and, and leaving other people behind. So let's, let's say, all right, you're in Jerusalem. You've just seen all these people dragged off. What's your mindset? Like, as you're thinking about yourself and your relationship to God, those people got taken into captivity, and I'm still here. What, what What's your temptation going to be? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Teresa? That I know the, the people there? Yeah, the people who here. I was <laughs> there the They think, oh, I Yeah, so... Yeah, so so they're thinking, I didn't get taken into captivity. I must be okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so they, like, from a Babylonian perspective, they're taking, like, the social elite. I'm talking from a religious perspective, like, from a spiritual perspective. They're the ones left behind. They didn't get dragged into captivity. I must be okay. God didn't judge me by dragging me into captivity. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right, and that's what they are doing, like, from a, you know, a, a, a physical level. But again, spiritually, like, spiritually, the people in Jerusalem are thinking, I didn't, fake, like, being taken into captivity is a judgment of God. I wasn't taken in captivity. I must be okay. See, see, yeah, so that, from a spiritual perspective, yeah, from, from a, like, a, um, skills, economic perspective, obviously these are, you know, we're told (laughs) in Kings, they're poor people, they're the dregs. (laughs) You know, these aren't the the leading people, are not the ones who remain. But they think, because they weren't taken into captivity, that they've escaped judgment, they've escaped punishment of, of God. Yeah, Dave. Yes, so that's why we're, like, that's how, that's why I'm trying to emphasize, like, the mindset that exists to, in which this vision comes to them. Because um, the message is going to be completely opposite of what they think. don't see the difference? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, and it's, it's you know, and we talked about this back when, you know, we saw Zedekiah back in chapter 21. Um, you know, when, you know, 11 years later, or 10 years later, Jerusalem's being besieged again. <laughs> um, and Zedekiah is, is like, maybe God will deliver me. And and thus says the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, behold, I will turn back the weapons of the war that are in your hands and with which you are fighting against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans or besieging you out, uh, outside the walls. And then later, Thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who stays in the city shall die by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and surrenders to the Chaldeans who are besieging you, you shall live and shall have his life as a prize of war. So in that later moment, God is counseling, like, surrender. Like, the Babylonians are the instrument of my judgment Take the judgment, don't fight against it, don't resist it, accept it. So if we kind of think of that in Jeconiah's actions, even though it's, I mean, again, it's horrible (laughs) to be taken in captivity, this is not a pleasant thing. Um, And as Jeremiah said um, to, to Zedekiah, or the people in the time of Zedekiah, all you're getting is your life. Like your stuff's gone, your land's gone, um, you're taken into captivity, um, but you get to live. Um, uh, whereas, you know, resistance uh, is, is going to bring the sword and famine and death. Um, so, Jeconiah by surrender, so that, that is, in a sense, as, as Greg says, that's the difference. Jeconiah surrenders, he does what Jeremiah um, counsels Zedekiah later on to do. And Zedekiah refuses and, and, and pays for it. Yeah, so later on, like Nebuchadnezzar comes back because Zedekiah, his puppet, rebel, tries to rebel against him. <laughs> at what point does he, like... <laughs> he does all kinds of things he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, at this point, like, yeah. Um, he does, again, like, we know the judgment's coming, but... but when God says, turn, that's a real offer. Like, you know, he can really repent and, and uh, accept the judgment of God and escape. Um, that, that offer is real. Um, but, you know, in God's sovereignty, he, he doesn't take that offer. Um, he doesn't repent. And that, that uh, you know, we're, uh, let's let's turn to the we're getting into the to the meaning of the vision. So so let's uh, explicitly uh, start getting to this. And to start, um, let's start with this um, word that 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 Dave just used. And I think you're right. Like, it, the the goodness is not inherent in in the figs. Um, notice what God says. I. Uh, like these good figs, so I will regard as good the exiles from judah so it's it's God's regarding them, countenancing them, treating them, um, and, and doing a work in them that um, is is what puts them in the category of of good figs. Um, so, as we think of this this vision, yeah, like first of all, before we get into the good figs, maybe. Um yeah, like what what's familiar about this vision or how like the language in the vision, like where have we kind of encountered this earlier? If I remember. Way back in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, notice a, a, a lot of the language here, like Jeremiah showing, or God showing uh, something, the Lord showed me of this vision. Um, that was back when Jeremiah was just beginning as a prophet. God showed him visions. Uh, and then God asking him, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah responding. Um, and 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 those first ones, like God, get, yeah, you saw correctly, <laughs> um, and so we have this pattern um, of Jeremiah receiving visions. So, so like this is consistent to what um, the way God had shown Jeremiah visions earlier in the book. Um, so, so now let's dig into the to the figs. Um, so, yeah, what what or rather who do the good figs represent, and why? Um, yeah, why is this going to be a surprising answer to his audience? Why is it surprising to him? <laughs> yeah, Jay. The good ones are the ones that have just been dragged off. <laughs> um, so in this vision of like, uh, and I love like the the bad figs, very bad, so bad that they can't be eaten, like the way that gets repeated throughout the thing, just like, when I listen to this, um, uh, does somebody have a King James? Like, I think it says they're naughty figs. <laughs> very naughty. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you know, like when I listened to it, I was like, it really like comes out like when you you hear it. Um, how bad these these figs are, very very bad, so bad they can't be eaten. Um, so the, these good ones, yeah, we expect. You know, and maybe Jeremiah expected. Maybe that's what the people, ex- you know, his audience expects. Like, oh, we're the good ones. Um, like, obviously, I know how to interpret this vision. And this vision means this, and, it, and instead, it's the opposite of what the people are are probably thinking, and maybe what Jeremiah thinks, because again, we don't have. The only audience um, we have here is Jeremiah himself. Like, like we don't have him proclaiming the vision to anyone. Like, so um, presumably he proclaimed the vision, um, but. You know, as it's being presented to us, this is the message Jeremiah himself is receiving, um, and that he's 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 learning that these people that you know one might assume are, are being judged are in reality the ones God's intending to bless. So I I think it's, I I think it's more than that. Uh, And I think it's, you know, if you look at um, uh, like, all my questions are like all being jumbled together today, which is fine. Um, But like if you jump ahead, like like who's doing all the, like look at the subject of all the verbs. Who's doing all the action? God. (laughs) So again, it's not about the characteristics of the figs themselves, it's about what God is doing with these two separate sets of people. So so the the emphasis and the goodness of the figs and the badness of the figs uh, is is the the product of of God's working repentance in one group of people. And notice the language there um, at the end of verse seven. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. And that, that word return there, again, that's the, the word we could put repent there. Like, you know, it's the same, um, the same root word there. Um, so you have one group of people in whom God is working repentance. And, and that's the, the group that he's labeling as good figs. And the other group lacks that turning. Um, do not return to the Lord. Uh, and again, like this is a, a moment like, y- you know, it's, it's again, kind we could kind of see it as another m- moment in which God's forbearance is, is people rather than using that as an opportunity to turn to God are using it as an opportunity, a, a license to com- continue committing wrongs. So like, oh, I escaped the captivity. <laughs> like I can keep doing the stuff I'm doing rather than. Man, God was serious when He said, "If you do this, I will take you into captivity." And you know, um, and so rather than seeing it as a affirmation of the truth of God's um, word from the law as well as the prophets, uh, rather than saying. What the prophets foretold and what the law foretells will happen as a result of idol worship—that um, just happened. <laughs> um, I should really not do that anymore. They're doing it like, oh, we escaped, woohoo! Let's keep doing it. Um, and, and and you know, again, it's it's what what God wants from His people at this moment is acceptance of him, knowledge of him, repentance. Like, you know, to have knowledge of God is to have knowledge of yourself and of sin. And, and therefore, the proper response should be repentance. And instead, um, they're hardening, um, becoming more stubborn, uh, more committed to their sinful ways. And again, it's not the quality, it doesn't have to do with the some inherent quality in the figs. These figs, uh, or these officials, are just as corrupt as the ones that replace them. <laughs> um, And there, I mean the, the next group of people, there's going to be a second captivity, so like you know, this is the first wave of captivity that's followed by a nec- n- next wave of captivity. so um, and and to be honest, like the captivity is not total total. Um, there are lots of usually very poor people that just get left behind. They're not worth dragging off somewhere else. So, um, so if you look at it historically, I, I would say, uh, no, they're 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 not getting off scot free. Um, and again, like we're talking, everybody physically is going to to suffer um, through, uh, you know, through this judgment of, of captivity. That you know, and again, it's God who is 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 bringing this judgment on the people. There, there is no one righteous or good, or that's not deserving uh, of the penalty that, that is to come. Um, like, you know, the, the picture that um, Jeremiah is giving us is that Judah's sin is total. All classes of people are complicit in it. Like, again, like he's giving us a description. Like, there are many gods as cities, and there are many altars as there are streets. Like. Everybody is complicit in the wrongdoing and all of them uh, uh, deserve judgment. But God, in God's mercy, um, is, is, is working repentance in some of the people that, that deserve judgment. Um, like, you know, he's, he, he has these promises. And again, notice how familiar this, this language is. Um, if we go back to... Chapter one, remember when God uh, called Jeremiah, uh, he says, see, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and plant. Um, So it's been a lot of the uh, destructing and overthrowing, Um, but here we get to see, you know, uh, I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. Like, so here we finally get to see uh, Jeremiah give that that kind of building and planting <laughs> a message that he was told. Um, but the the emphasis, again, it's on God's action. It's all about, I will regard as good, I will set my eyes on them for good. I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up, I will plant them. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. So the first time in that sequence we get, um, you know, what the people do, it's for they shall return to me with their whole heart. It's coming at the end of all the, what God will do. Um, and what the people need um, isn't just a physical restoration from captivity, uh, th- what they need is they need a new heart. <laughs> um, they need knowledge of of God. Um, I need uh, I, I need Chris here because he always loves going um, to this this uh, <laughs> a verse. Uh, who's the man who who is so wise that he can understand this? Um, and it's the emphasis. It, it's God working. Um, the, the knowledge and people, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord, um, so as we think about like what God is working. In these people, which you know are, are not inherently good in themselves, uh, it's him regarding them as good um, and, and working repentance in them. Absolutely. And the way I keep thinking about this, like from an application standpoint, is here is another image of that, that idea we can't like we make judgments about like who's deserving or who's not. We make judgments about, oh, well that bad thing have happened. So we're like those people, like, well, you know, that tower fell. Uh, you know, from that story you know, in, in the Gospels where, oh, what did those people do to, to be destroyed in that, that calamity? And we, we want to make judgments by appearances. Um, you know, we want to make assumptions based on our sense, as you say, of, of what's right and wrong, our sense of what's just and unjust. Whereas uh, you know, this prophecy of Jeremiah is reminding us it's not the external things um it's not you know what's on the outside but what's on the inside that that god looks at um and that god is what is god looking for it, god's looking for knowledge of him and repentance um and and those are the things that uh you know god sees in the heart versus what like so there are people who like it, it always like this is one of those um, passages that just, like, reminds me, there are going to be people I'm going to be surprised to see in heaven. Like, like how could that guy <laughs> get in? And because, again, I'm judging by externals. Um, and, and if God works faith and repentance in that person, then, you know, they're going to be in heaven. Um, and none of us deserve to be there. It's only what God is doing, the work he's doing in people, Um, And it's easy for us, as you say, to forget that and to get caught up into judging things by sight rather than um, uh, understanding the perspective of the scriptures, which puts us, gives us the sense of how God sees things. And that's, he's trying to instruct us to regard the world as God regards the world rather than judging it by appearances. Because at this moment, by appearance, Those people are bad and we must be good because we're still here. And the reality is completely the opposite. Uh, again it's it 's the work that God is doing in people that delivers them um, uh, it's it's it 's what he 's doing and then um to just to get to the bad figs it it 's the work he 's doing um, in judging people that is 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 bringing out the the horror um, that that is in these bad figs so in the description of the the bad figs um yeah what what strikes you about these bad very bad so bad they can't be eaten figs doesn't it sound really appetizing <laughs> like i've been trying to picture like what what does a really gross fig look like <laughs> i love it up <laughs> <love the> <laughs> oh, yeah it, it uh, like i uh, let, let's be honest i wouldn't know a good fig from a bad fig so uh <laughs> yeah, saying, okay. Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah, and and an important thing to to remember here, like Jeremiah's going to Be dealing with these people. Like, this is the moment Zedekiah has just become king. Like, you know, Jeconiah has just been taken off. Zedekiah has just been made king. He's gonna be king for 11 years. (laughs) And Jeremiah's gonna have to deal with him for 11 years. And, like, so if this is a public prophecy, like, hey, (laughs) that's gonna be a great relationship. (laughs) Like, from day one, um, uh, as you say Ronnie it's very specific like so like from the beginning of Zedekiah's rule God is already saying so I will treat Zedekiah the king of Judah his officials the remnant of Jerusalem who remain in the land and all those who dwell in the land of Egypt I will make them a horror." like so <laughs> like from the beginning of, of Zedekiah's reign God is announcing like this is you know, a horrible thing is going to befall the, the people we, again, from an outward perspective, we think are, are safe or good or um, have survived and therefore are blessed in some way. Um, in reality, they're the ones who are going to experience a, you know, the, this horror that, you know, that these words are, are multiplied to all the kings of the earth, kingdoms of the earth, to be a reproach a byword, a taunt, and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. So it's not a um, happy destiny uh, that's laid out um, before them. Uh, So very specific people at the very beginning of their reign, um, God is is already announcing that the doom on them is sure. What else about our, our bad figs? Or naughty figs, I just, I don't know why the naughty figs gets me every time, but. driven and consumed. Driven and consumed, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're, you know, and this idea, like they think they've escaped captivity, um, you know, but they're gonna be driven. Um, Uh, out of this land um, and they are gonna be utterly destroyed, consumed um, from it. So like, and if you think of the comparison, um, you know, that you have one group of people that are gonna be restored to the land. Uh, I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. And another group of people, they will be utterly destroyed from the land that I gave to them and their father. So one group of people is gonna experience God's uh, restoration by bringing this remnant back. And another group of people are gonna be destroyed and cut off and scattered to the winds. Um, and you, know, you think of how many of the tribes of, of Israel are completely lost through the process of, of captivity, like just, you know, Disappear from the earth to the extent, like when the Americas are discovered, they're like, "Oh, are these the Israelites? <laughs> like, this is where they all got sent." Um, you know, it's that kind of like, you know, so lost to history that nobody can track them down, versus uh, a people who God is going to to restore and do a mighty work uh, through them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and notice, like, here, like, that, that idea, yeah, these people who fled, like, think they can escape God's judgment by going down to Egypt, and, and God's like, nope, uh, I know who you are, I know where you are, <laughs> um, and, you know, you're going to be, again, like cut off and, and consumed. Um, uh, through the judgment of God. And yeah, that is, <laughs> uh, like, I, I love that <laughs> it, it throws that detail in there. Like, it's not just people who stayed. It's the people who thought they could get away by going somewhere else and escape the judgment of God, and God's judgment is going to befall them no matter where they are. Yeah, like uh, la- last week in chapter 23, for the land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns, and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. So there, there is this sense that the land is, is being given rest <laughs> from these sinful people who ha- are being, as you say, purged. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Like it's the this... Bl- you know, as we think of this process of of restoration that and Isaiah um, gives us a beautiful picture of of that the, that the physical landscape um, needs to be delivered from these sinful people, <laughs> um, and that God, uh, in his process of restoring the people, is also restoring the land uh, in which they they inhabit um, and and a key factor again, as we see this that that Jeremiah's em- emphasizing here the people are coming back um, you know it, are are going to be like if it's just a restoration to the land that's not like that's not going to change anything that's not going to you know that, that's just like kind of putting everybody back at the starting line um and, and as we saw last week, God is going to do something even greater um uh you know uh, behold the days are coming declares the lord when i'll raise up for david a righteous branch and he shall reign in ki- as, as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in his land in the land in his days judah will be saved and israel will dwell securely and this is the name by which he will be called the lord is our righteousness um, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. So it's this, God is going to do an an even greater work in and through this this remnant. and, And ultimately, the blessing that's gonna come through this restoration is gonna come through, through the coming of Christ. Like this is where, you know, out of this stump, this is where that shoot is gonna be brought forth. That, uh, and it's the work that God is going to do by working faith and repentance into people's hearts that puts them in a, a better position when they come back than when they left. So that's a great question, um, and uh, I'm gonna, um, uh, yeah, how do I say this? Uh, it's gonna sound like I'm getting, trying to get out of this, <laughs> but I'm not, because if you look ahead to the next chapter, the next chapter is is God declaring what he's gonna do um, uh, in and amongst the nations and the kingdoms of the earth. Um, so, So like if you look at, uh, you know, the, in, like in your, if you have an ESV, it's, it's titled The Cup of the Lord's Wrath. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, take from my hand this cup of wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. So the next chapter is, is going to put the 70 years of captivity um, and, and what God is going to do in restoring his people in conversation with what he's going to do in bringing judgment on the nations. Um, so, yeah. Great question to preview next week. <laughs> Our coming attractions, the cup of wrath of God poured out on the nations <laughs> next week. Coming soon to a Sunday school near you. Um, but that's the, the short answer um, is, oh, he hasn't forgotten about the nations. <laughs> but, you know, he's starting with his people, um, you know, and 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 that's where you know, he, he's starting judgment, in a sense, by bringing it on them um, and using the nations as the instrument of that judgment. Um, but then he's gonna turn around and judge the nations for, for what they did to his people. Um, and, and we see the same thing in Isaiah. You know, God declares, I'm using the Assyrians, they're the tool that I'm using to correct you. Uh, they're my rod of constri- of correction, and then, he turns around and, and blasts the Assyrians for um, being so uh, harsh and violent toward his people. Um, so, but, but both salvation and judgment are starting with his people, and then you know, all the nations of the earth are absolutely included, but it's, it's, it's c- coming from a particular people um, and, and working its way to, to all the earth. And again, like that, you know, he, he's true to his word. Like, and, as, like, and sometimes we wrestle and can struggle with um, when God brings judgment um, very much as like Scott was saying, like we don't understand why. Well, the why here is God said he was gonna do this. Like again, this is not new news. Um, this is not, should not be a surprise to anyone um, this is what God had told the people in Deuteronomy. Like these are the blessings that if you obey; these are the curses if you disobey. They disobeyed, and the curses are 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 coming upon them. Um, and it's so even in judgment, God is is delivering on, on what He has promised, which gives us confidence to believe in His promises <laughs> to save and deliver. Like so. Um, God by working his righteous judgment should encourage us um, as ones who are liable to that judgment that uh, the, the means of salvation that he offers us is, is real and that we can believe and trust in that promise to do good even as we see him bringing the evil he said he would bring upon this, this people the, you know, the, making them a horror. All right, well, um, let me uh, close our time in prayer. Gracious God, we do thank you for your sovereignty. Um, and, and we confess uh, that your ways are not our ways. Um, and uh, we thank you for that, uh, because um, how, how worse the world would be <laughs> um, if we were the ones uh, running it, uh, even as uh, we so often think we do. Um, but uh, we trust in in you and your perfect plan uh, that you're working all things for for good. Help us to be a people who live by your word and not by sight. Um, Help us um, to to look to that work that you do in and through us. Um, And that's where our hope resides, uh, that you are the one um, who has begun a good work in us and we trust that you will bring it uh, to completion through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that uh, you would um, help us and give us hearts to worship you in the coming hour, that we might uh, give you glory for who you are, um, that you are uh, righteous and a perfect judge who is bringing and pouring out your wrath upon sin, but that you're also gracious and merciful, and you've taken um, us uh, sinners uh, who also deserve that wrath. And uh, you took the cup of wrath and you drank it for us. Um, and even as we celebrate the table together, uh, help us, uh, as we take that cup, uh, be reminded of, of the cost um, for our Savior, that though that table is free for us, uh, it cost our Savior, Jesus Christ, dearly. Um, in his life and uh, death uh, and his sufferings on the cross um, and his um, taking that penalty of death that we deserve. Uh, We pray that um, you would help us uh, worship our our risen Savior and uh, and give you praise and glory for the eternal life that he gives us. Um, Truly give us hearts uh, that... um, overflowing with joy that we might sing your praises together uh, as we hear your word proclaimed and your good news um, preached. Uh, Give us uh, ears to hear, uh, eyes to see, and hearts and wills to respond uh, to our, our worship of you. In this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.